Welcome to Ancient History and Geography, Lesson 5.4 from the Qin Dynasty. Um, this podcast will cover pages 197 through 201 in your textbook. Um, and like normal, please uh, familiarize yourself with the vocabulary before listening. All right, so in the last episode, we looked at how um, the Zhou the Zhou dynasty kind of grew and expanded out of its ability to control. And then it kind of fell apart and entered this warring states period where these different warlords kind of took power for themselves and they were all fighting against each other. And this lasted for a few hundred years. Um, so what's going to happen is these warlords are going to eventually make themselves into kings. Um, and as the fighting continues to grow and spread, um, eventually there's one of these kings named King Zheng, who uh, is able to kind of amass a more powerful army, and, and he starts slowly defeating all the other warlords. And what he's eventually going to do is he's going to basically defeat all of these warlords and unify China under his control again, right? And this will be the start of the Qin Dynasty, right? Um, though he unifies them under his control, he still has a major problem, though, and that is that all these different groups of people, they have different languages, they have cultural differences. Um, and as a result of this, there's constantly a threat of rebellion from inside the dynasty. And then there's also still the worry of invasion from outside the dynasty. So um, with these two major threats, um, what he's going to decide to do is that he needs to make his power a little stronger. So he's going to get rid of the title of king and he's going to give himself the title of emperor or Huangdi, which is um, kind of goes back to the days of the mandate of heaven, right? Kind of associating himself with gods. And what he's going to do is he's going to take all, all of these warring kingdoms had built walls in order to kind of protect themselves from, from the other kingdoms. And so what he's going to do is he's going to set out on a building process to connect all of these different walls. Um, and what, what it will eventually will create becomes the Great Wall of China. Right? And he does this to um, protect himself from outside invasion, but he still has the threat of rebellion from inside of the empire. Okay, so what he's going to do, what Huang Di is going to do, is he's going to start working on trying to, um, to deal with these issues of culture and language and, and government to, to try and unify the people under his rule. And so one of the things he's going to do is he's going to institute a process called standardization, like making everything the same. Okay? And so uh, he will do this with rules, with laws, with customs. And anybody who doesn't follow his standards, they will be punished as a traitor. So they'll be you know, banished or imprisoned or even killed. Okay, And so one of the first things he's going to work to do is establish a unified written language with standardized characters, right? So everybody uses the same characters for the same words. They all have the same meaning. They're all written the exact same way. Um, then he's going to move to uh, create a centralized government system. So the way he will set this up is basically that his government is in the center, okay, with the most power, and then he will divide the rest of the empire up into provinces, all right? And then those provinces will be divided up again into counties. And so what will happen is um, 
the, the leaders of the county, they report to the leader of the province. Their leader of the province will then report to the central government in China, which Huangdi controls. And if there's any, if any of the province, the, the provinces, their leaders, they don't listen to Wang Di or they don't do exactly what he wants, then he gets rid of them. He takes them out of power. And the same, if, if the county leader doesn't listen to what the province leader wants, then they lose their power. So it kind of creates this chain of command and divides the authority up, which makes it a little uh, easier to manage such a large empire. Um, and then he'll also, what he's going to do to kind of try to keep control is he will force noble families. So if, you, if you're one of the noble families that are wealthy and powerful, he's going to force them to move into the, the central kingdom, the capital city, basically, where, where he and his government are. That way, him and his spies can keep a watch on them and make sure they're not trying to you know, uh, undermine him or take power from him or start rebellions against him. Okay. Now, this is a pretty common practice. You'll see this again with Louis XIV when we get to France. Um, the, the next thing he's going to do is he's going to set out a standardized set of laws that everyone needs to follow. Okay? The laws are, are very strict, um, and the punishment for violating the laws is, is very harsh. Right? Um, and according to Huang Di himself, he, he says this type of rule, this very harsh you know, violent type of rule is what is necessary to bring China out of this warring states period, this chaotic period of warfare and fighting. You know, in his opinion, the only way to make sure that doesn't happen again is through really strict and harsh laws. Um, and he will also uh, use censorship. Okay? He will control the flow of information. He will make it illegal to speak out against the government. Um, he will do a lot of these things to kind of try and force people into, um, you know, this kind of accepting the rule, right? Trying to make everybody the same so they feel like they all belong in this empire under his rule. Uh, unfortunately, this doesn't work. So basically, you know, within three years of Huang Di's death, the Qin Dynasty falls apart. Okay, so what happens is... Um, there's a soldier called Chen Sheng, right? And he is uh, he is leading his his battalion or his group of the army out to the Great Wall um, to do their uh, to for defense, right? He it's their turn to go out to the wall to work on the wall to to protect the empire, okay? But unfortunately, what happens to them is they get caught in this really bad storm, lots of rain, and it slows them down, and they're going to be late, okay? And because the Chen had such strict and severe punishments, um, Chen Sheng basically realizes, you know, we're going to arrive late and they're basically going to imprison us or maybe even kill us for being late to our watch. So he basically just says to himself, well, if they're going to punish me that severely anyway, then I'm just going to rebel against them because either way, I'm probably going to end up dead. And so he starts a rebellion. Um, and then what happens is people across China, these different groups, they see this rebellion starting and they too start rebellions. And before you know it, um, there's basically rebellions all over the empire. OK. Um, and again, because there's all these cultural differences that haven't been worked out yet, people don't feel like they are the same people. So they, they feel like they're being controlled by an outsider and they don't like it. So whenever the chance for rebellion comes up, they're going to take it. Okay, and this is one of the, the major problems for empires 
that anybody who wants a successful empire has to solve. All right, so thanks for listening to this podcast on the Qin Dynasty. Uh, In the next podcast, we'll be discussing the rise and the control of the Han Dynasty.